0: If anyone is listening to this recording after the fact, today is February 9th, 2023, and this week the church made some changes to the endowment presentation. I have not been. Jen and I plan on going either this weekend or next week. So, some things that we may present today may not be as much a part of the endowment as they have been in the past. So I am just laying down my cards on the table that there have been some additions to the endowment presentation. And um, if I knew what they were, I would incorporate them into this discussion, but we need to have this discussion. We talked last week about moving out of that initiatory. We are done with the individual portion. The first time you go to the temple, there's two portions. One is an individual, you're kind of alone. Now don't worry, that doesn't mean you have to know everything. There's gonna be people to help you. But then when you're done with that initiatory, we move into a room where we're all there together and we're all going through the same thing as a group. And it's in that, initi- it's in that endowment room that we're gonna talk over the, re- the rest of this class. The main purpose of that endowment room is to make five significant covenants. But we don't walk into that room and make covenants and then walk out. The covenants are interwoven into a story. And so I want to present the backdrop, the doctrinal backdrop, so that you can see that the story interweaves the covenants into the storyline. But the thing that we sometimes miss, if you're not paying attention, the backdrop is waving its arms. Heavenly Father is waving his arms and trying to point out certain things. And in my experience, many people who attend the temple don't catch those messages. One of the most important things you're going to hear in the temple is that cherubim and a flaming sword was put in front of the tree of life to prevent them from partaking of it. If you do not understand the doctrinal backdrop, that, why that is significant, you've missed a major message of mortality. It is my front, as I've had a front row seat of 30 years watching young people who believe they have to be perfect. I don't know, well, I'm gonna suggest, I think I do know, but somewhere along the line in this church, people get the idea that you have to be perfect. And I know that you are tougher on yourselves than anyone else. You don't treat me the way you treat yourselves. You are very hard on yourself. I think that comes from this toxic perfectionism And so my invitation is to study this doctrinal backdrop, not just to connect it to the five covenants we're going to make, but to hear the message he's screaming out at us. And we'll try and get to cherubim and the flaming sword today. But let's talk about the doctrinal backdrop, our journey through mortality. We're gonna start in premortal life. Premortal life and we're going to end up in eternity. But we've got to understand the essential steps to go from premortal life to eternity. Now, we're going to focus on, as we go through this process, we're going to focus on the place we're in and the body we have. So what was broken with the place that needs to be fixed? Then we move into the next stage. What's broken with that place that needs to be fixed? What you're going to see is what was broken with premortal life gets fixed in the next step. But that breaks something else. And what's broken in this step gets fixed in this step. But that breaks something else. And what was broken in this step gets fixed in this step. So, we've got to go from, we've got to fix each stage, but that introduces another challenge that we now have to fix in the next step until we fix all the problems. We cannot go to eternity until we fix all the problems. So, what was the biggest problem with our body in premortal life? We had a spirit. And we walked around daily with two people who did not. Now that's hard to swallow when you're there in the presence of someone who has something that you would give anything for. It's hard for us to fathom that because everyone on this planet that I know has the same body that I do. But I think we get a taste of it sometimes when someone can do something with their body that I can't. How many young kids wish they could dunk a basketball and they get trampolines out and they lower the rim and they're playing it? Aren't they in essence kind of saying, I wish my body could do what his body could do. And I think we kind of sense that someone has something that I don't and I long for what they have. So the biggest problem with our body is that we are encountered on a daily basis with what Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother had. Glorified, resurrected, perfect bodies. And we didn't even have a body of flesh and bones. So that's what's broken, is we have a spirit. And they show us what they have every day. Okay, what's wrong with the place? How could we say that being in their presence was broken? How, what was wrong with the place? Because, because why? Because, we're, because we didn't have a body to learn. All the answers are right there in front of us. Think about how we normally test people. Here's the book. Study from it. Now, the moment the test begins, what do you do to the book? You've got to close the book. You've got to separate yourself from the answers so that we know that you have the answers. And so what's broken with the place? Let me give you an example, Okay, Is it the best indication of how you drive your vehicle when a police officer is driving behind you? Would you say that that's a fair assessment of the kind of driver you are? Why not? Because when a police officer is behind me, I am very, very aware of everything, click, turn, two wheel. But then when they're gone, tell me what you do. The real driver comes out. The one with the police officer behind you is not the real driver. And so that was, was broken with the place. We could not be tested in his presence, could not, we couldn't be tested. So let's fix those two. How could we fix those two? What event fixes both of those, at least makes progress in fixing them? What is it, Whitney? We can't fall yet. We have to have an earth, right? So the event that fixes this is the creation. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to put the positives of the place and the positives of our body first. So tell me what's the positive of the place. We have our own place. The positive is that we have, an o- our, we have a home. We have separate we've we have a place separate from him where we can be tested. And what's the positive about the bodies? At least two of us have what? Physical. None of us other than Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother ever have. But now two of us have bodies. We have Adam and we have Eve. A male and a female, which now has the potential of having more. But there are two major problems. What's the problem with the place? Now, here's the irony. The word Edenic has come to mean what in our society? How do we use the word Edenic? Meaning it's perfect. Eden is associated with this perfect earth. That everything was perfect, the temperature was perfect, the environment was perfect, and that is true and yet false at the same time. So tell me what is broken about earth, post-creation, pre-fall. Tell me how the earth is broken. Ooh, your silence is interesting. How is the earth broken? Whitney? I don't know how to explain it, but it's almost like it can't progress either. Why? Why? Why can't it progress? What's wrong? What's wrong with the environment Adam and Eve are in? Ah. No Now, I'm going to put everything that you could add after the word no into a single word. No mortality. The problem with the earth is it's perfect. That's that's the good sense of, oh, it's Edenic. This is an Edenic place, meaning it's perfect. But do we need perfect? We need broken. Broken. We can't operate perfect. Let's do a couple scriptures. I'm not necessarily certain that broken is the correct word, because broken implies that it was whole to begin with. We weren't whole as spirits. We won't be whole and completed until we're done. So I think broken might not necessarily be the right word. Absolutely agree, but bear with the analogy, because I want to use the same word for everything along the way. Now, granted, we're trying to move to a perfect state, be ye therefore perfect, but bear with the analogy. In one sense, we can say that the earth is not what we need it to be. Allow me to use the word broken to describe that, not in its perfect definition. But Eden was not the destination. Do we agree with that? The environment of Eden is not the environment we need. Let's turn to the scriptures. 2 Nephi chapter 2 is where Lehi explains the plan of salvation to his son Jacob absolutely beautifully. And he gets into why did we need a fall? So, 2 Nephi chapter 2, let's start in verse. Let's start reading in verse 20. Let me get there. Book of Mormon, 2 Nephi chapter 2. Let's start in 19. Adam and Eve had partaken of the forbidden fruit. They were driven out of the garden of Eden to till the earth. And they have brought forth children, even the family of the earth. And the days of the children of men were prolonged according to the will of the Father that they might repent while in the flesh. Therefore, their state became a state of probation. This is what the fall introduces. And their time was lengthened according to the commandments which the Lord God gave unto the children of men. For he gave commandment that all men must repent. And he showed unto all men that they were lost. Now behold, if Adam had not transgressed. So that means creation and no fall, right? If Adam had not transgressed, he would not have fallen. But he would have remained in the Garden of Eden. And all things which were created must have remained in the same state in which they were after they were created, and they must have remained forever, had no end. And they would have had no children. That's going to be what's broken with their bodies. We'll get to that in a minute. Wherefore, they would have remained in a state of, now we're going to describe Eden. The Garden of Eden was a state of, that's the word you were looking for, a state of innocence. For having no joy, for they knew no misery. Were they happy in Eden? No. That's hard to answer because were they miserable? No. Were they happy? No. Well, aren't you happy if you're not miserable? No. no. You can't be happy unless you can be miserable. Do you see the need for the mortal world? In other words, Eden was not the place where we need to be. It was, in essence, a broken place that we need to fix. It's innocent. They can't be happy unless they can be miserable. They can't do good unless they can do sin. Do you see what's broken with the place? So the word I'm going to use is we're doing place first we're doing place first what's bro what's broken with the place is it's innocent james i just was thinking about like kind of your statement was broken and i was like you have it's as if we left wheat on the stock and it stayed there forever and it never went anywhere it wouldn't do any good but it, it needs to be broken in order to make bread and bread needs to be broken in order to benefit right and so i was just thinking about it as like yeah it's it's great where it's at but it's not doing me, that's a beautiful description. It's but, not if serving the purpose for which it was made. And there's no progression. I don't get fed yeah. by staying there. Yeah, but there it sits. It's beautiful. Yeah, but then I have to break it to then create bread. And then I can leave the loaf of bread there and it stay there. Perfect, forever. But I have to break the bread to actually ingest it. and. Great bread. analogy. Yes. Now, going back in that verse... Yes, Adam and Eve have physical bodies, which none of us have had other than Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother, and now we have two of the children that have physical bodies, and that's great. We're we're rejoicing that we have two, but what's broken with their bodies in terms of not fulfilling the purpose that we need? Will any of us get a body in that condition? I don't understand why. I don't understand what was not happening in their bodies. But the scripture says they would have had no children. So they have bodies and none of the rest of us are going to get one. Do you see what we've got to fix? No children. So we have solved these challenges and created two more. So how do we remove the innocence of the earth and give the earth the kind of experience we need in order to progress? We have to fall. The fall is as essential to the plan of salvation as anything else. We fall. And we fall by choice, not by Talking into it, we fall by choice. I choose. So tell me what the fall. Now we still have the earth. That hasn't changed. We still have Adam and Eve. But now we fix these challenges. How? We introduce. Let's go back and read verse 19. We introduce what kind of earth? Sorry, 21. And the days of the children of men were prolonged according to the will of God that they might repent in the flesh. Wherefore, their state became a state of probation. And their time was lengthened according to the commandments which the Lord God gave unto the children of men. For he gave commandments that everyone must repent. We came into a lost, fallen state of probation. Is there, can they be happy in this state? Yes, because they can be miserable. Is there good? Yes, because there is evil. There is light and dark, cold and hot. Pleasure and pain. And the only way we progress is if we are put in that environment. And so I'm going to use his word we turn the earth into probation, mortality. We enter a mortal experience. Going back to verse 11 in chapter two, we now face what kind of world? There is opposition in all things. Verse 16, tell me about that opposition. Tell me about the bodies. Tell me about how the body was changed. The perfect, immortal body of Adam and Eve is going to be changed. It has to be. There is now a part of them that deliberately wants to do evil. Let's read verse 16. This mortal body, this mortal body that I have has two very important components. McKenna, would you read 16? 2 Nephi 2, 16. Wherefore? gave unto man that he should act for himself. Wherefore, man could not act for himself, save it should be that he was enticed by one, by the one or the other. So do you remember our discussion about the natural man and the spirit? And the whole purpose of that first stage of covenants is to help us overcome the enticements of the natural man. All of that came into this world because of the fall. So now their bodies are mortal. Now what can mortal bodies do? That pre-mortal or no, creation pre-fall bodies couldn't. They couldn't have children. And now they can. Procreation becomes the positive. But the kind of body we need in order to have this probation mortal experience is going to die. The body is going to break and eventually fall apart and die. So we gotta deal with that. I have to have a body capable of death and disease. It has to be susceptible to all the things that a mortal life is going to impose upon me. But that body is capable of procreation. And here we all come. From Adam and Eve, we have started the human race. And I get a chance at mortality. Now tell me about this state. Now this is where Again, I think perfectionist mentality is our enemy. Tell me the purpose of earth life. And what's the purpose of making a mistake? To learn what? One of the things we have to learn is which kingdom do you want to go to? Which way of life do you want to spend eternity? Let me teach a doctrine that I believe wholeheartedly, but it isn't intuitive. Everyone goes to the kingdom they want. Everyone gets what they want. Those who want to live a celestial life will live which way? And what will their their reward be? And if they didn't go to the celestial kingdom, how would they feel? They would be miserable, right? And is Heavenly Father going to do that to that child who wants to live a celestial life? Now, do all of Heavenly Father's children want to live a celestial life? We know that by the very fact that he created other kingdoms. And we know those other kingdoms are going to be full. So are there people on this planet who do not want to live a celestial life? Yes. What's the worst thing Heavenly Father could do to them? Put them in the celestial kingdom because how would they feel in the celestial kingdom? Miserable. They would not be happy in the celestial kingdom. And so we are here to decide what is it that you want? What kingdom do you want to possess? A couple scriptures just so we can see this in print. My favorite one is Alma chapter 29, verses four and five. This is where Alma says, boy, I do sin in, you know, I wish I could just shake the earth and make everyone repent. I wish I could just force all the good, all the bad people to repent. I wish I could speak with the tongue of an angel and be so convincing that people would have to choose what's right. Is that the plan of salvation? And Alma catches himself and says, I know that's not what we're supposed to do. I do sin in my wish. And then he says, verses four and five, Alma 29, four and five. Who read for me? James, I ought not to herop up in my desires the firm decree of a just God, for I know that He granteth unto men according to their desire, whether it be unto death or unto life. Yea, I know that He alloteth unto men, yea, decreeth unto them decrees which are unalterable according to their wills. According to their wills. Keep going. Whether they be unto salvation or destruction, or unto destruction. Yea, I know that good and evil have come before all men. He that knoweth not good from evil is blameless, but he that knoweth good and evil, to him it is given according to his desires, whether he desireth good or evil. So in other words, if you don't have good and evil, can you really make that choice? But if you have good and evil, what will your eternal reward be? What you want. What you want. Now, how long does it take to figure out what you want? Now, I don't mean that I did, I hope this doesn't come across the wrong way. But is there anyone in this room that does not commit any celestial acts at all? Is it safe to say that we all do occasionally things that are telestial? So is it safe to assume then that you're not totally convinced you don't want to go to the telestial kingdom? Because if you were totally convinced you didn't want to go there, what would you not do? Telestial things. And is that okay? that we're still figuring that out? Anyone still not pick a major? Anyone a a junior in college and still haven't picked a major? Sophomore, maybe? Is it reasonable that someone be cautious and say, I don't know that I'm ready to commit to what I want to do for the rest of my life. I need some time to figure that out. Is it reasonable to assume that 20-year-olds don't really know where they want to spend eternity? I do. You do? Where do you want to go? Well, first to heaven, and then to my family. I mean, being with them priests, So you want to go to the celestial kingdom? Yeah. Uh, again, I don't allow me to just push back a little bit. Do you ever do anything that's telestial? Oh, yeah. Then why then you're not convinced you want to be celestial. But if you were 100% convinced you didn't want to be celestial, isn't it safe to assume you wouldn't do anything celestial? I think that's a pretty safe assumption, but I don't think any of us are fully convinced yet. And is that reasonable? Is not it reasonable that we're still figuring that out? Now, what is assumed in the figuring it out stage? Partaking. Let me give you an example. McKenna, you, does anyone have a favorite ice cream? An absolute favorite ice cream. Which one? Cookie dough. Okay, so Whitney says her favorite ice cream is cookie dough. Now, if I told you guys that she's only tasted cookie dough ice cream, would you agree that she has a favorite? Why not? She says she does. She says she loves cookie dough. Why would you argue with her? No, Sister Peterson. Peter, no, tell me your last name. Bowers. Bowers, 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 Sister Bowers. Why would you argue with her? Because that's not enough experience to go on. My little brother is like, oh, I don't like that flavor, but like, he won't try it. He's like, what's oh, going to trigger my gag. He doesn't know. You can't like be a picky eater. You can't claim, oh, I'm a picky eater. If you're not willing to try other stuff, if you want to be picky, you have to have experience with the other stuff. Wow. I wish everyone could have heard that. Now, her first comment was, you don't have enough experience to know which ice cream you really love. Now, what if I told you she has had hundreds of different flavors many, many times, and the one she always goes back to every time is cookie dough? Then, then would you say she has a favorite? Yeah. Now, is it therefore reasonable to assume that in making these choices, we will in fact partake of celestial ice cream? is it God's expectation is it his expectation that we partake of celestial things other than Christ will anyone in the celestial kingdom have never tasted celestial ice cream no. if they're in the celestial kingdom and they've never tasted celestial ice cream what would sister Bauer say to them oh she would give her them I don't think you should be here yet. I don't think you're fully ready. Will it, right? Is it therefore a reasonable expectation that in living through this life, I will partake of celestial, terrestrial, and celestial things? And that ultimately I need to decide which one I truly choose? How many celestial actions can I take into the celestial kingdom? Zero. I cannot be partaking of any celestial ice cream and go to the celestial kingdom. But I don't think that'll be a problem because by the time we get there, will any celestial person want to partake of celestial ice cream? They will have gotten to the point where what will they say? Yeah, celestial is way better. I don't like that. I am I choose not to eat that. And is it because I never tried it? It's because I tried it and I know for a fact. So do you understand the, the expectation of mortality is that we partake of ice cream that's celestial and terrestrial. But the law of God would require what? a payment. You cannot partake of celestial ice cream and simply walk away from the consequences. The law of justice says no. So, I understand you need to partake of the celestial, but in doing so, there is a penalty that has to be paid. And so, that becomes an obstacle. What about the Children who die before they eight years I ago. have no idea how the salvation of children works. Okay, because I think I heard somewhere that they just get to go straight to church. They do. And don't ask me how it works. Okay. So all I ever do is I hold up my picture of Jesus. <laughs> how are children saved? <laughs> ask him. <laughs> I don't understand. I'll admit, I do not understand because I know, the al- I know what she's saying is true. That a child who has never tasted celestial ice cream should not go to the celestial kingdom. Because we don't truly know if that's the flavor they love the best. So I don't know how it works. But do you understand that by partaking of the celestial, I have a payment that I owe? that might interfere with my progress to the celestial. So what then becomes the second negative of this fall? Sin. Sin. I have to have a body that decays and it's gonna die. I have to partake of mortality. And that means I have a payment to be made. So we have fixed everything that was broken there and created two more challenges. So what could fix these two? What could fix these two? An atonement. We have to have a Redeemer we have to have a the plan doesn't work without a redeemer we don't have to have a satan we don't have to have other things but we have to have a redeemer otherwise the plan doesn't work and his his job is to overcome death and pay the penalty he pays the penalty and then gives us a do-over. So what fixes death? So after an atonement, we will have a celestial glorified earth. Not only will we have an Adam and an Eve, but every single one of us. We have fixed mortality. We have fixed I meant to put probation first. And we fix death with resurrection and we, forg- we fix sin with his payment. Now, because of that, where do I now have the opportunity to go back to where I started? But what will be different? What do you mean everything? What, will be di- what are the main differences going back than when we left? My, I, don't, I no longer need to be tested. I no longer need to be tested. I've passed the test. And being in the presence of the rule book is not a big deal. As soon as the test is over, Can you open that book back up and read anything you want to read? Absolutely. So I don't need to be tested. And what body will I now have? Just like his or just like hers. And the whole thing has come to fruition. Do you see why we needed each one of them? We had to leave. We had to fall. He had to atone so that we can end up in the right place with the right body. And those who don't want celestial, those who choose not to live celestial, where do they end up? In the right place for them. And those who choose celestial, where do they end up? In the right place for them. But all of them have a resurrected body. Do you see the plan? Now that plan is the backdrop of the covenants we make in the temple. Understanding, I see this. I understand creation, fall, atonement, eternity. So I'm going to walk through this symbolically. Symbolically, I enter the temple as if I were a spirit in premortal life. Symbolically, I'm going into the creation period. In the Salt Lake Temple, there's a room And you go into the creation room and then you leave the creation room and you go into the fall room and then you leave the fall room and you go into the different rooms that represent these different stages, because symbolically I'm going through the temple. Now, what's the last thing I'm going to do in the temple? I'm going to enter his presence. Because the temple assumes what kingdom are you striving for? So the temple ceremony ends by me entering his kingdom. Do you see the symbolism? Do you see the journey to him? Now, allow me to take the last 10 uh, five minutes and emphasize one thing that he emphasizes in this story that often gets missed. Can you tell me what Satan was trying to do there? Not very many people pick up that Satan had a plan and there were two parts to his plan. Satan has two parts. Satan's plan will do this in black. Satan has two. He has an A and a B. He did A, but he got stopped and couldn't do B. And the temple is going to wave its arms and say, do you understand how important it is? that he got stopped because we don't act like we do. We don't act like we understand that. So what was Satan's plan? Number one. Okay. So let's put the trees up here. Let's put the two trees. There are two main trees. There's lots of trees in the garden of Eden, but two main trees. What's one tree name? One tree. The tree of, let's start with tree. The, let's put them in our order, not in Adam and Eve. So let's put them in our order because that was kind of a unique situation. Which tree do we partake of first? The tree of, life. the tree of knowledge of good and evil. When on this do we partake of the tree of knowledge of good and evil? Here. We partake of the tree. Now, that's what, in, that's what caused them to go from creation to fall, right? So here's the tree of knowledge. When do you and I partake of that tree? When do we partake of the tree of knowledge? What do we call that? Birth. Birth. So we partake of this tree when we're born. What was the other tree? Tree of life. Now, I know they had free access to the tree of life, but when do you and I partake of the tree of life? At the resurrection. Now I don't know if we put it here, but I'm gonna put it here with with the full fruits of the atonement. So I'm gonna put the tree of life here. Now I want to note I want you to notice the space between those trees. I want you to pay attention to the space between those trees. When do I partake of the tree of life? If I take if I partake of the tree of knowledge when I'm born, when do I partake of the tree of life? After I die, so death is when I partake of the tree? So resurrection. Resurrection is when I partake of that tree. So tell me what Satan was trying to do. Plan A is partake of the tree of knowledge. Now, is Heavenly Father going to stop that one? Why not? That's part of the plan that does not interfere with the plan. Adam and Eve partaking of the tree of knowledge does not interfere with the plan because that was the plan from the very beginning. But Satan had a second part that was stopped. Now, when you go to the temple, what gets held up over and over again saying, hey, you want more answers? You want to understand? Go here. What gets held up? So let's do that. Alma chapter five, sorry, Alma chapter 12 and Alma chapter 42. Alma 12 and Alma 42. Let's see if we can understand what his second part of the plan was. Okay, Alma chapter 12 is Alma to Zeezrom, who's asking, tr- he's trying to trick Alma. So in Alma chapter 11, Amulet testified of the resurrection that we will live forever. So then Zeezrom kind of says, I thought God placed cherubim and the flaming sword in front of the tree of life so that they wouldn't partake, so that they couldn't live forever. And you just said we're supposed to live forever. See what his purpose is? He's trying to trip up Alma. So you just, Amulek just said that we're going to live forever, but God stopped them from living forever. That's where Alma is going to explain what Satan was trying to do. So Alma chapter 12, let's start in verse 21 with Zeezrom's question. Zeezrom says, what does the scripture, what does the scripture mean, which saith that God placed cherubim and a flaming sword on the east of the garden of Eden, lest our parents should enter and partake of the tree of life and live forever. So God prevented them from living forever. Why are you saying we're supposed to live forever? And thus we see that there was no possible chance of them living forever. Alma said, this is the thing I was about to explain. Now we see that Adam did fall by partaking of the forbidden fruit, according to the word of God. And thus we see that by his fall, all mankind became a lost and a fallen people. Now, what was part B of Satan's plan? Who wants to read verse 23? Now behold, I say unto you that if it had been possible for Adam to have partaken of the fruit of the tree of life at that time, there would have been no death. Okay, pause. So what was part B? Get them to partake of the tree of knowledge, and then rush them over and get them to partake of the tree of life. That was his plan. Get them to partake of this tree, which God had, had no problem with, and then rush them over and get them to partake of the tree of life. In other words, he wanted to put this tree where? Right. right here. He wanted to shorten the space between the trees. Now, what would that have done? Number one, the rest of the verse, what would that have done? There would have been no death, and the word would have been void, making God a liar, for he said, If thou eat, thou shalt surely die. So we take God out. We take God out. We make God a liar and he's gone. What else does it do? Go to Alma 42. Hold on to Alma 12. So just open up a new page because we're going to come right back. But go to Alma 42. This is Alma to his his wayward son, Corianton, who's worried about sin and the afterlife and all of that. Now, Alma chapter 42 is the same thing. Verse 5. If Adam had put forth his hand immediately and partaken of the tree of life, what would they con- so we, we take God out of the picture, and now number two? Read the rest of verse forty of verse five. He would have lived forever according to the word of God, having no space for repentance. Yea, and also the word of God would have been void, and the great plan of salvation would have been frozen. Because what would Satan have taken away? What would Satan, what does Satan really want to take away? We wouldn't have, so if the idea was he wanted them to sin and immediately be accountable. And if you sinned and then were immediately accountable, what would happen? It would destroy you. So what did God deliberately do to those trees? God's greatest gift to you. Okay, that's pretty hard to say. One of God's greatest gifts to you is what? Is a probationary state. Time between sin and accountability. A time to do what? Is that the action you, does that action define you? Did what you just do define you? Are you ready to be held accountable for that act? No, 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 Lord, I'm just learning here. And so what did Heavenly Father do in the Garden of Eden? And I love the language here. Go back to verse four. Give me the G word. God granted God granted time to figure it out. Time to make mistakes and not be immediately held accountable to them. Time to figure out which kingdom you really want to go to. So if I were to partake of something celestial tomorrow, should that action define me for eternity? No. So he says, you know what? That, I don't think you want to be celestial, there, Bryce. Let's rethink that decision. How about I give you a little bit of time to figure out if that action really does define you? Oh, thank you, Lord, because I really don't want to be this kind of person. Do you see the gift? So when you go to the temple and you watch God put cherubim and the flaming sword in front of that tree, do you understand what he's saying? He's waving his arms and saying what? I, gr- I wouldn't let this happen. I wouldn't let Satan take that away from you. So can I share my theory? I think this one got stopped. So Satan has a new one. I think Satan says, if I can't take away all their probations, I'm gonna try and convince them to take their own away. I'm gonna try and convince you that you have to be perfect. I'm gonna convince you to shorten the space between the trees. And because of that, because, because that's his plan, if he's successful and I make a mistake, what do I do? I hate myself. I taught a student who after she graduated from high school went hiking up the canyon and fell 60 feet. She has severely limited physically today because of that fall. And for years, she today hated The girl that went hiking, what does she need to do? Grant herself a probationary state and recognize that that girl was 18 and that decision does not define her. And she should not hold herself accountable to one decision she made when she was 18. But how has she been living her life? Holding that girl accountable for that decision. Do you see what we need to do? I think he's coming after you. I think he's going to try and convince you that one mistake years ago defined you. And that you're going to beat yourself up for years to come. You do not have to be perfect. You are supposed to learn. Grant that. Grant yourself a chance to learn from a mistake that you made. He did. Don't beat yourself up because you made one mistake. It does not define you. Stop thinking that it does do you see what I think he does because he was stopped in Eden? Therefore, every time you see God put cherubim and the flaming sword, you know what you need to say to yourself? I need to do the same thing. I need to grant myself a probationary state. I need to stop letting one mistake Define me. How many of you say something and then spend the rest of your day thinking about that one thing you said and thinking about all the things you should have said instead? How many times do you relive the conversation that you now realize was a mistake? Instead of doing what? Okay, I shouldn't have done that lesson learned. I'm not going to do that anymore. And I let it go. It doesn't define me. That one mistake does not define me. And hence you grant yourself a probationary state. Do you see what he's trying to teach with this backdrop? We're gonna make covenants. And what's he saying the whole time? You're gonna break them, I know it. But learn from that and understand that's why there's an atonement. Don't take advantage of the atonement, don't abuse the atonement but I understand that you're going to break them. That has never been the expectation. And to prevent that, he put cherubim and the flaming sword in front of the tree. Don't let Satan convince you that one mistake defines you. It doesn't. You have lots of time to figure out what kingdom you want to go to. Be as forgiving of that 18-year-old girl that went hiking as that student should be. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ, amen.